Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. This morning, I just wanted to start off by telling you a story. Um, Five years, five months, one week, and three days ago, I was getting ready for one of the best days of my life, which was my wedding. And um, so was my bride-to-be, thankfully. Um, She was primping, doing her makeup. You might not believe it, but she didn't wake up looking like that. I just wasn't allowed to show any pictures before that. Um, She was making herself ready. She was um, doing all the little bits and pieces that I don't understand, um, but apparently that's something for the eyes, I believe. She was helping people get ready themselves, showing them what to do, who didn't quite know. You know, the preparation for that day did not start that morning. Oh, no. Oh, no. This wedding was years in the making. Years, literally. The dress had to be designed and made. The perfect shoes had to be chosen to accompany it. You know, there were trials and practices for hair. Okay? I didn't even realize that was a thing. I just thought you woke up, threw some stuff in it, and hoped for the best. But everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be picked out. No corner was cut. Nothing less than perfection was acceptable for Lauren's wedding day. And mine, I was there. (laughs) Then she had to put everything on. She had to make herself ready. She had to take all of the preparation that had been put in and make herself look smashing. Look at that. What a blessed man I am. (laughs) But, you know what, when I show you these pictures, it's a lovely story, and she does look fantastic. But as Paul would say, what I'm really talking about is Christ and the church. Because the bride that was made ready came then to meet me, her groom, and it was a wonderful day where we got to celebrate all of the preparation. All of it was worth it for this wonderful day that we had together. Let's turn to Revelation 19 and look at verses 6 to 8. We've already read this this morning. Holy Spirit, um, I'm just conscious that We are talking about Jesus' most precious, wonderful, most, um, if I can put it this way, his most prized possession, the, the thing he cares about more than anything in the whole world. And Holy Spirit, I just pray this morning that you will help me convey the love of Christ, that you will help me adequately describe who we're to be, who we're to become. And, And Holy Spirit, I just pray that for all of us, we will just open our hearts this morning to to see what you want us to see from your word. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. From verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, has begun to reign. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory because the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. <laughs> We've already heard over the past few weeks and months of the picture of the bride of Christ, and it's been wonderful to hear this, these pictures being painted for us. And I'd like us to just read one of those again. So if you just flick over the page to Revelation 21, I'm sure there's somebody who's just shut their Bible after uh, I finish reading that and thinking, ah, should have just uh, waited. <laughs> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. And I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and, will, uh, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief and crying and pain exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Awesome. This city that looks like a bride is absolutely stunning. She is magnificent. There's no more pain or death. They'll no longer exist because that final enemy will have been defeated. Thank you, Lord. Then look at verse um, 19 and uh, 20 of this same chapter, 21. And look at the list of these jewels here. These are the, found, um, the foundations of the city wall were adorned with these precious stones. The jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardonyx, carnelian, crystallite, beryl, topaz, christophrase, uh, they get really hard towards the end, jacinth, amethyst. I mean, what walls are decorated with these things? What walls are set with jewels and stones? But this is no ordinary city. This is a bride made ready for her bridegroom. You know, after everything Jesus has given up for us, surely he deserves something magnificent. In my notes, I've got about 20 exclamation marks after that point. <laughs> surely he deserves a bride, a city, a dwelling that is magnificent and beautiful, that is perfect in every way. Surely he deserves that. And you know, I love the picture that this paints for us of the bride. It's fantastic that we get to come to here together and hear that picture painted for us. It's fantastic because I love to be encouraged because when I hear those words and I hear of those visions, I realize I don't just want to read about it. Yeah. I don't want to read about these things to come as something just imaginary or a story or some far off thing. I don't want to see in a mirror dimly, but I want to experience it. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of those who make themselves ready for the bride. Even if I can't imagine it all, 
I have no idea what the majority of those gems look like, but I know that they'll be beautiful. Maybe I can't quite imagine what it's like for the bride to come into all this beauty and splendor. Maybe I can't quite imagine that, but I know that I want to be a part of it. And I want to make myself ready, and I want to do whatever I can to help the bride come to maturity. Because that's why we're here. To make ourselves ready for the wedding between us and our bridegroom. In Revelation 19, it told us um, that the wedding was happening because, not because the bride had made herself ready, but the bride had made herself ready. So, but, but what does it mean to, to come to maturity? What does it mean for us to make ourselves ready? Well, I believe it means becoming all that Jesus has destined for us to become. I don't want to set the bar any lower. Because we're to do all the works and greater works than Jesus did. We are to go and make disciples of all nations and see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's no less than what Paul says in Ephesians 4.13 about us attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. (laughs) And those statements can seem massively intimidating and they can seem so far off. They can seem impossible, but all things are possible with our God. And the other thing is, God is not expecting maturity tomorrow. Realistically, the church tomorrow at 6 a.m. is not going to awaken and have become mature. Maturity is a path that we are walking so that we can all together come to maturity. But what's most important is that to know that Christ desires that maturity for us and to determine to start walking on that path, to say, yes, I believe that the bride can come to maturity and I want to be a part of it. It's already started because all together we have said yes because we have accepted Christ. We have decided to say, yes, you are Lord. And when we do that, we start this journey, this path, to become this mature bride as he changes us, as he molds us, as he shapes us to become just like Jesus. This picture before. When Lauren's helping, that's my cousin Erin. She's a teenager now. She's not cute anymore. But she's, um, Lauren is helping her do her nails because Erin doesn't know how to do it. But you know what? Erin was there, chomping at the bit, saying, I want to be ready too. I want to be in my dress. I want to look beautiful too. Paint my nails. Make me look pretty, Lauren. And you know, the bride, the mature bride, will look around for those who are new, who are getting saved, who are passionate, and saying, I want to be ready. I want to be part of this. I want to walk in the kingdom. And we will get alongside them and say, yes, come with us. We will do you good. The wonderful thing is that we really are already on this journey. We are already becoming the mature bride. 
And I can't overemphasize that enough. We are growing in our relationship with Jesus. We're knowing him better. We are coming into the power, we're tasting of the power of the age to come and we're saying we want more. That doesn't satisfy us. We want to come into all that God has for us. We're living by the the scriptures and learning what it is to do that. We're taking risks for Jesus and living by the Spirit. All those things are helping us become that mature bride. We're accruing all of those linens, those fine, beautiful, pure white linens, which are the righteous acts of the saints, so that we'll have something beautiful to wear on our wedding day. We are becoming the mature bride, whether we like it or not. But I know myself that I can be more intentional about this. I know every day I can wake up and and I can think, there's so many things to do today. But really, there's only one thing. Seek first his kingdom. I want to be so much a person that serves the purposes of God in my generation. I want to be like David and say, yes, God, I did all all that you sought for me to do. And not only that, but I've prepared for the next generation to come as well. I've done literally everything I possibly could so that when I am gone, nothing is left undone. I want to hasten the day. And dare I say, I want to be part of the generation that sees Christ return. I want to be part of the generation that doesn't taste death and sees Christ come back. And I believe it can happen because the bride will become mature. She has to become mature at some point. Why not now? Why not in our day? Why not in our generation? So I began to ask the Lord, what do you want us to do? Because how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Lots of people didn't know that. I'm not sure that I even quoted it right, but still. (laughs) You know, we're not going to come to maturity tomorrow. But I want to make sure that I'm taking a bite taking a chunk out of what I need to be doing. I want to be walking in it. I want to be doing the things that God has called me to do so that I can come to maturity. So I said, God, what is it that we can be doing right now? What are the practical things? Because I love the vision and it spurs me on. But then I start to say, but what do I do with it? I see the bride that can be glorious and magnificent and I can be a part of it. But what do I do in the light of it? So we're going to take a trip to Proverbs 31. Okay? The wife of noble character. Because I believe that there are five things um, that God wants to highlight to us in this season right now for us to give our attention to so that we can become the wife of noble character for our bridegroom. So that we can be looking and saying, God... If, if God went to the trouble of, of having this description in here, you know what, lads? This wasn't just for us so that we could learn what a good wife actually looks like. Ladies, this wasn't just for you so that you could model yourselves on a woman of the word. This was for the church to look at and to say, we are the bride of Christ. So in the light of that, who am I supposed to become? So... There are lots of things I know that if we read through this, there will be things that stick out to you personally. There will be things that I'm sure God will, will challenge us on. But I believe that there are five things that God wants us to look at as a bride together, as, a pers- as, as one, one person together, and to give our attention to. 
And these things, although they're practical, they're still things that you'll need to take away and say, God, what do I do with this? What, how do I make this a reality in my life? How do I get right down into the nitty-gritty? Because for every single person, this will be different. Because every single person matters. Because every single person's expression of each of these things is necessary for the bride to come to maturity. I cannot take your place in the mature bride. I can't take your place in the city of God. So I'm just excited. So let's start by looking um, at verse 10 and 11. It says, Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. And what I love is the fact that God loves to confirm his word, doesn't he, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And as he's already said to us this morning about awakening love and letting deep call to deep, I believe this, that as a body, God wants us to grow in our understanding of how precious we are to Jesus. To know that he actually trusts us and have a confidence that you personally do him good. You have the immense privilege. Every single one of us is you do Christ good. How incredible is that? And I believe that God wants us to have a fresh understanding of this together. I've been so struck by the fact that God has chosen to culminate all things, all of time, okay? Everything that's happened before, everything that is going to happen, it all culminates with a wedding. Because think about it, aren't we the body of Christ? Aren't we the city of God? Aren't we the army of God? The end of all things could have quite comfortably been culminated with the general taking his place at the head of his army. Or of a king being seated in his throne in his city. Or even just the body being purged of all sin and sickness, finally becoming the adequate body for her wonderful head. But that wasn't acceptable. That would not have, that wouldn't have worked. Why did the culmination of all things have to happen with a wedding? Because none of those other things could possibly even come close to begin to capture the love that Christ has for us. He wants to culminate all things with a wedding because on the last day of all things, he wants to say, look how much I love you. Look how much I've given for you. You are my most prized possession. You are my most prized person. If I can say this reverently, Jesus didn't die for a workforce. He didn't just die for arms and legs or a place to reign. Ultimately, above all else, he died for the love of his life. And when we're overcome by the fact that God has loved us first, that's how God loves us. How do we not respond? How can we not respond in worship? How can we not react, Stefan? How can we not react, Chris, to the love of Christ within us? Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 tells us that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church. And it's that love that is the driving force that will allow us to be presented to him without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. 
It might be incredibly hard to imagine that we will one day be perfect. I know for myself it definitely is. But if the love of Christ could send Jesus to the cross, could see him overcome death and, and sin and disease and sickness and all that the enemy sought to destroy us with, if Christ could do that because of his love, it's no task. It's no task after that to bring me to maturity. It's no task after that to bring us to maturity. He has overcome all that he needs to overcome. He can certainly finish the job. We are far more precious than jewels. And the heart of Jesus trusts us. And because of that, he is going to lack no good thing from us. So before we move on, I just want to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for us and giving everything for us. I pray that we, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that we may all be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. In verses 13 and 15, it says, She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. The two phrases that I believe um, that I felt to pick up here were the fact that she works with willing hands and she provides food for her household. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared about the serving teams that we're setting up. And it's really important that we press on. As we press on into the mission, as we press on to see people hear about Christ and all that he's done, as we seek to preach the gospel, it is so, so, so important that we continue to just love one another. That our love for one another is displayed more than ever. You know, it's really easy to take for granted what we have. It's really easy to look at what we're not doing or where we miss the mark. But we are part of a wonderful family. We, have, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. As we make ourselves ready, the bride will care for the household. The bride will care for herself, will care for her household. And as we become more and more mature in the things of Christ, it's, it's good for us to look around and say, where's the lack? Where can I provide for my household? Where can I provide? Where can I put my hands to work? Where can I work with willing hands? so that everything is provided for. Being part of the church is not easy. <laughs> it is demanding work. It is full of family. It's full of family who need us and who will call on us. And it requires all of us to make it work because every single one of us will show something different of Christ. You know, we're not just family in word. We are really, really family. We are family in spirit, which is so much more than blood. 
Let's not give up doing good. Let's press on to care for one another, not forgetting the hard work that it's cost us to get to where we are now. And let's appreciate the incredible family that we're a part of. And let's every one of us work with willing hands, whatever the work is, so that uh, we provide food for this household. The next thing um, is in verse 20. And in verse 20, it says, Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hand to the needy. And um, I would say this was one of the things that has struck me and has been stirring in me for a long time. But I believe the word from the Lord to us in this moment right now is remember the poor. Because it is really easy to forget them or to miss them. Living where we live, realistically, even in the roughest parts of this area, we're not exposed to poverty like you would be in a city centre. You know, if we opened a homeless shelter here tomorrow, then realistically, nobody's going to get here. If we opened a soup kitchen, who's going to come? But you know what? Poverty is all around us. We've just got to look for it. And I just believe that there's a, a challenge of the Spirit to us to say, remember the poor. Remember the poor. Because God has not forgotten them. There is a passion for God to the poor, for the poor, that I want to understand and make sure I have. Because I know if I don't, I can't adequately represent the heart of God. He saw the poverty of our spirits. He saw the poverty of our souls, and he reached down in Christ to save us. And I want to remember the poor. I just want to read to you some scriptures about God's concern for the poor. Because as I read these, his heart for the poor really just washed over me. And I really believe that I began to change as I read these. So if you want to, maybe just close your eyes. But let's just allow God to stir in us a heart for the poor afresh. Deuteronomy 15.11 For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. Deuteronomy 15.7-8 If I among you, one of your brothers, should become poor, if any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, or shut your hand out against the poor, your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Matthew 26, 11, For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Proverbs 19, 17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay them for his deed. Proverbs 14, 31, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 21.13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Psalm 140.12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and he will execute justice for the needy. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And I'll finish with this one. Matthew 25, 35. 
to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the Lord will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did, one of, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. The poor are not a stain on society. They are not a disease that needs to be cured. They are people who the church needs to reach out to and have the compassion of Christ for. The mature bride will care for the poor and defend the rights of the afflicted. It will be made up of millions of people who were once in need and no longer are. The mature bride won't rely on the government to solve the problems of the poor, but will call the poor to themselves and say, come to us where the wealth of the nations are. Come and find the answer, not only for the poverty of your life now, but come and find the answer to the poverty of your soul and your spirit. Come and find Jesus Christ. God loves the poor. He is so passionate for them. You know, I I just felt as I was praying about this that a specific um, direction for us to just be aware of where we are, where we're living right now, is to embrace the fantastic opportunity that is that social housing is more and more on our doorstep. The building of massive tower blocks to segregate everybody is kind of a thing of the past. Now, the neediest are being put right amongst us. And we can either be those who complain and say, that's not fair. Who are these people being given houses that I'm living in exactly the same one? I know we wouldn't be like this. But that's, that's that's the sound of the world right now. This isn't fair. But we can rejoice, saying, thank God that the poor are being cared for. And thank God that they're being brought right here, right next to me, where I can see the kingdom extended where I can reach out to the most poor and needy in my community. I don't even have to go anywhere. I just have to knock and say, hi, come with me. I'll do you good. There is a fantastic opportunity for us right now to reach out to the neediest. Let's let the way that we treat and talk about the poor be distinctly different. Let us be those who rejoice in the fact that the poor are being cared for and love for our neighbor and have love for our neighbor. And let's be those who choose to partner with God in his mission to defend the, poor, the cause of the poor. Because he said it, he is going to defend their cause. And I want to be on his side. Yeah. I don't want to oppose God as he defends the poor because I will lose in that fight. <laughs> and I want to be really clear. It's not that I'm saying... With all these things, it's not like I'm saying we're not doing them. I just feel like 
There's, a, there's an emphasis of the Spirit for us to say, look, hey, remember, I'm pointing them out to you. I want them to become more in the front of your mind. I want them to become, I want them to be more aware to you because they're aware to me, because I hear their prayers, because I hear their cries. I am pointing you to them because you are their answer. You are their solution. Caring for the poor will not be glamorous for us. <laughs> it will be costly in money and in time. And it might not even result in lots of people coming to this body of Christ. Because if we reach out to the poor in certain areas and they don't drive, the most loving thing for them might be that they're going to a, a church nearby. But you know what? We're not doing it to put bums on seats. We're doing it to extend the kingdom. Amen. Caring for the poor is kingdom activity. Amen. Christ is building his church. Let's just extend the kingdom. The next um, scripture um, is in verse 25. It says, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with, with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. The mature bride can laugh in the face of times to come. The mature bride is fearless because of who her bridegroom is and because she knows who she is as well because of him. When our work colleagues say to us that they're scared about North Korea or they're scared about um, being made redundant or they're in fear of what the future might hold, we're not going to be those who laugh in their face, who laugh like that and say, don't you know? that? Why are you so afraid? Don't be silly. Don't be stupid. But we're going to be those who come alongside them, put an arm around them, and say, do you know why I'm not afraid? Do you know why I am at peace? Let me pray for you. Let me tell you about Christ, the Prince of Peace. Let me tell you, let me pray for you. Let me show you Jesus in your fear. Let me cast out that fear with perfect love. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And let me display to you how we laugh at the times to come. Because don't you know who Jesus is? Look at him. Look at him. He's wonderful. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the answer to all of your challenges. He is the answer to everything, every fear. Because his perfect love will drive them all out. The mature bride will walk with her head held high. Let's not be those who are intimidated or scared, but confident in our bridegroom and who he has made us. Let's remember who we are. Don't you know who we're getting married to? Wow. Have you seen him? Wow. He's awesome. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He is strong and mighty in battle. If you carry on reading in Revelation 19, you're not going to want to mess with him. <laughs> Blood-stained robes riding out on a white horse, defeating all of his enemies. What do I have to be afraid of? I want to finish um, with uh, my last point. is just in verse 30. It says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I'm sharing these things with you because I feel like Christ has revealed some of them to me and I feel so blessed that he's given me a little glimpse. And you'll know this feeling as... As when Christ shows you something, you feel so blessed that he's given you a glimpse of something, but you know you haven't seen it all. 
you know you've only scratched the surface. But I, and I don't know what the mature bride is going to look like exactly. I don't know exactly everything about it. But what I do know is this, is it won't, every expression won't look exactly the same. This might be part of the mature bride. I'm sure it will be. But you know what? This might be part of the mature bride too. This might be part of the mature bride. And I, I just felt the Lord say that he's not looking for beauty like the world sees it. He's looking for maturity. And for us... We haven't got to make um, we haven't got to make the church appealing to the world, because any charm that we could offer, any beauty that we could display, it's fleeting. It's our fear of the Lord. That's what's going to endure. That's what's going to bring people to Christ. That is what is going to allow the church to endure to the end of time to see this wedding come to pass. It's the fear of the Lord. Uh, just. We don't have to worry about putting bums on seats. We don't have to worry about the growth of the body of Christ. Christ is building his church. We don't have to make this place more attractive. We don't have to try and compromise so that it's easier for people to pallet Christ. Christ is for what he is for and he is against what he is against. And I am going to be on his side, whatever they are. And you know what? It's that that will see the church grow and the kingdom extended. Charm is fleeting. Beauty will not endure. But a a bride who fears the Lord, she will endure. So let's just sum up. Let's always remember what we're aiming for. for. The big picture. The wedding to come. Christ marrying his bride. (laughs) Let's allow that vision to spur us on so that we do want to make ourselves ready. But for right now, let's just remember, let's look, let's go to the Lord, say, Lord, how do I put these into action? Because we are far more precious than jewels. Jesus trusts in us. And because of it, he will not lack anything good. He will find us working with willing hands and providing for this household. Our hands will be outstretched to the poor, always helping the needy. We will look incredible as we are clothed with strength and honor, laughing at the times to come, as we open our mouth with wisdom and loving instruction. And we will be found as those who simply fear the Lord, knowing anything that we can do to try and make ourselves more attractive will end up fading away or being deceptive. We simply point to Jesus, the only one who is worthy of attention. Um, Just for us to, as an opportunity to respond, um, Will and the band are going to come up. Um, Will's written a song um, about Revelation 19, and it's phenomenal. (laughs) Um, And he's going to play it for us, sing it for us, and then there's going to be an opportunity for us to to join in and and sing with him and and the band and uh, just worship Jesus in the light of who we are, who he's made us. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. 
visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram.